Hello everyone and welcome back. This is Bald, Bold, and Gold. Somehow we have made it into the middle of November. This season's flying by. This episode we talk about how much we hate the college football playoff selection committee, how dumb they are, how much they don't make sense. Then we move on to talking about what could have been a very tumultuous week for big names in college football. A lot of close games. Of course, Michigan State lost. We talk about Notre Dame's handling of Navy. Of course, it wasn't the most exciting game, but we're here to discuss it before previewing what could be a barn burner against a Virginia team and giving our picks for the week. Once again, I'd say an entertaining week in college football, but I'd say almost the most, the thing that gets fans the most riled up isn't, you know, there hasn't been a top four or five team, or I guess, you know, Michigan State was three. What am I saying? They lost, but no one really considered them true contenders. The things that get fans the most riled up are the rankings released every Tuesday because, you know, while we said it last week, the committee's incompetent. I think they proved that even more so last night yeah yeah i think that um we're not doing our we're not doing our knee-jerk reactions like we did last last week yeah Um, we had some time to formulate some thoughts uh and i I thought i thought pretty hard about it i just don't uh, it's almost it's hypocritical and they cross themselves up like the fact that oregon comes in over um ohio state is i think kind of checks out if we're going to play the win-loss game but then mm-hmm. to put Michigan over Michigan State uh, does not make any sense to me, really. Um, that, that part was pretty frustrating because I think that, yes, Michigan State lost more recently, but they have the head-to-head win over Michigan, and that head-to-head win was only like 13 days ago, right? Like it was – Yeah. Or, or no, not 13 days ago now. Like less. It's been less than that. It's been less than two weeks. Like I don't yeah. understand what, what the logic the, the committee decided to go with there. I just don't – I think – it sucks because I, I hate getting riled up about this stuff um, because it's, it's really not worth doing. But as a college football fan, it's almost reflexive to do so. Um, it's just it's frustrating when these two things, when it's clear as day that, that these two things directly oppose each other. Um, that was like, mm-hmm. that's really, really frustrating to see. I really, really thought that it was good. Michigan was going to come in at eight and Michigan State was going to come in at seven. Um, and I was wrong on both accounts. Yeah, and the the thing I don't get the most is why, like, what has the Big Ten done? What yeah. have they done? Their biggest out of conference win, like, who knows? Like, they don't really have the biggest good, game was Ohio State Oregon. Yeah, they don't really have a very good out of conference win. Um, like, I'm trying to I'm trying to think, and honestly, like, the one that jumps off the page is is Michigan State beat Miami. Um, like Michigan but beat Wisconsin, 
that's but that's in the conference. It's still a bit. It's still a Big Ten team. Or not Wisconsin. You know I meant to, I meant to say Washington. Washington. Oh uh, yeah, but no. I think Wash. I think Miami's actually better than Washington. I, I, yeah, like those are really the only two big ones that I think would jump off the page and say like, hey, these are, you know, these are important wins. Uh, it's that that part, like I just said, it's it's it's, it's frustrating. I feel like the Big Ten's getting a lot of respect for not having done a whole hell of a lot, especially when the yeah. teams in the top struggle with what we know are bad teams. Right? Yeah. I mean, Rutgers gave Michigan a hell of a game in the second half of, of that football game. They had a very good chance to win the football game. If Nebraska uh, – if, if Scott Frost didn't hate winning football games, Nebraska probably should have won this week uh, and beat Ohio State. Like, obviously, Michigan State yep. did get nipped, nipped by Purdue – but all of these teams have, have really played down to the bottom of the Big Ten. Like, like not even not even Iowa and Wisconsin on the other side. You're really looking at the bottom of the Big Ten West and the bottom of the Big Ten East. Um, and you know what, you made a good point. Like, I don't know if anybody took Michigan State as a serious contender because they still had games against Ohio State um, and Penn State. Do they still have the Penn State game on the, on the schedule? I think they still have the Penn yes. State the schedule. Yes, they do. So I, I agree with you on that, um, but it's still – just the, the, the way the top 10 kind of shook out, it's still frustrating. But, hey, we gained another spot. Um, and as long as we keep winning and doing our job, um, there is a, there could be a path. Yeah, I mean, that's also another thing I don't get about this whole Big Ten stuff. Like, Ohio State, I'm fine putting them ahead of us because they've just absolutely throttled teams. But when you drill into the Michigan and Michigan States being ahead of us, like, they really only have beaten each other. And guess what? Michigan State has a loss to a Purdue team that we beat. Michigan does not have, you know, really any good wins. Like, I guess yeah. the Wisconsin one, which we also have, and we beat them by more. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's kind of appalling, honestly, to see, you know, and things will work themselves out. I think both of those teams catch another loss. We move up. So, you know, maybe I'm just extending, expanding energy here where I don't have to. But it just doesn't make sense. There's only one team – other than Notre Dame that has a winning record against the college football playoff top 25. And that's Georgia. The yeah. only other team with a winning record, or there might be someone else that's two and one, just like ND, but the only other team's Georgia. So, and I know our wins come against the back half, but it's still just a show, you know, a team ranked ahead of us lost to a team we beat and mm-hmm. we've lost to a team that's ahead of every team we've talked to here. So that it doesn't make sense to me either. Yeah. Ian, do you have any do you have any major thoughts on what you saw last night from the committee? Sup, fellas. Sorry, I'm late. Um, oh, you're all good. I'm sure it's all positive talk about the committee at this point. Only, only positive talk. Yeah, I think I think my main thought is I I don't there's hypocrisy in the criteria. I don't really know where it's at, and it seems like they're really trying to do like eye test, and then when they put Oregon over Ohio State, like, what's the thought process there? Head to head. And then they use eye tests for Michigan and Michigan State. I just don't understand. I don't understand it. And then I know I talked this, like, if I talked about this to you guys a little bit last night, but like we've seen SEC bias from the committee for as long as it's existed. Where the hell did this Big Ten bias come from? Like, out of nowhere. I answer. I, I just have no that. idea where, like, they woke up in 2021 and were like, oh, yeah, the Big Ten's a good football conference. Like, you it, know what? Yeah, it, it, they're, they're awesome basketball. They have, I'm, I'm confused. What's up, Fluff? 
Ian, no, you, you said something really important there too, where they like you, they're, they're relying on the eye test, which is, or, or or you think that they would rely on the eye test a little bit, which is fair. But from an eye test standpoint, or or or, or you would think they want to go with the head to head, and they kind of went with the head to head, but not with Michigan, Michigan State. I really think that Michigan State is a better team, better football team from the eye test and from from the eye test and and from the head to head than than Michigan is. So I really can't wrap my head around that. Obviously, I think they're relying really, really heavily on some power metrics that that go a bit above my head, honestly, mm-hmm. um, because unfortunately, college football is not my full time job yet. But um, <laughs> it's uh, it, it's it's confusing. It's it's very confusing to the average fan, um, and I'm really. I'm not really not a big Gary Barta fan because he doesn't really offer much when, when questions now, are his, asked. By his interviews this. are his interviews are make me even more confused than yeah. when I just see the rankings. Did you guys talk about like the way they do it, unveiling twenty five to nineteen and then going down, um, and then showing us the final seven? I guess so. We saw yes. Oklahoma at eight again, but going through it, I was like, this. Bodes well for the Irish, the way we saw some of our opponents listed. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, like, our schedule, we've talked about our schedule doing us no favors. Our schedule has kind of started to do us favors. Yes. Especially, yeah. like, we talk about Purdue and we talk about Wisconsin, but then you talk about, you see Wake Forest only drop three spots after losing North Carolina a week after we beat North Carolina pretty handily. And I'll yeah, try, me, they, me, might, they might view North Carolina pretty well, but I don't know. To me, that kind of means North Carolina might be knocking on the door there, too. Like, I don't necessarily mm-hmm. think they deserve to be in the top 25. The fact that Wake only drops, like you said, only drops three means that they got to be close, right? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the, the one thing that, you know, going back to the Gary Barda topic, is – have like you know, reaching the team, they had like very short time because they're doing it in between the college basketball games. Yeah. But when they asked him like, "What's going on with Michigan, Michigan State?" The fact that he said they were almost considering ranking Michigan higher the week after Michigan State just beat them was absolutely ridiculous. Like, I don't know if Michigan boosters, like instead of paying Harbaugh's buyout, they've funneled all of that money to the selection committee and Gary Barta's personal accounts. Like that's the only thing that makes sense is like, how do you see a team completely shit down their legs, blow a game and say, we should still rank them higher than the undefeated team that beat them. Like the fact that he even mentioned that they considered that was preposterous. Yeah. Um, I want to take, I want to take this to a more positive note for a second. Um, and I want to talk about Notre Dame's possible path. Now, I think it still remains unlikely. Um, it's still around a 20 to 25% chance, I think, is what but I saw. But we're not crazy before. about thinking about it. We're not crazy. No, you're it. not crazy about thinking about it. And I think there's two – there's like you, you, have, you could have the discussion about what their path looks like, and then you can have another discussion about whether you want that path to fall into place. Like do you really – there's a discussion to be had as to whether or not you want to be the number four seed and have to play Georgia, um, and, or would you rather just be – five, six, seven, and, and go to, go to Atlanta, right. Um, and play the peach bowl. But I think let's talk path for a second because things Notre Dame picks up a spot this week because Wake Forest loses things as D mentioned, right at the top will continue to kind of flush themselves out uh, because Michigan and Michigan state both have to play Ohio state. 
Michigan has to play on the road at Penn State this weekend, which I think they definitely could lose. We'll get to that game in a little bit. Michigan State mm-hmm. also has to play Penn State. I think that game is at home, though. And Michigan State has to play Ohio State. So there's a pretty good chance that the Big Ten East kind of takes care of itself with as far as having three teams in the top seven, right? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if that necessarily sustainable, um, if that's necessarily sustainable. And then as far as other teams that are ahead of you, right, like – Oregon is going to is going to have to play Utah once, if not twice. Um, and I heard some pretty prominent football minds think that they could lose both games, right? Like they could lose to Utah twice, um, which would be which would be interesting. So that would kind of you know that potentially could take care of Oregon. Um, and then the only other team ahead of you right now is Oklahoma, and they got to finish with uh, they got to finish with Oklahoma State, Iowa State, and. There's one more. And Baylor. They got Baylor. Baylor, yeah. Baylor this weekend. So, you know, it, it's not – Notre Dame keeps doing its job. That's all you can really ask, right? Like, you, you finish the season, you win the next three games, and then all of a sudden, you know, six, seven, and eight all could potentially – you know, three, six, seven, and eight could all potentially clear out. Um, Two. And that's like, not too far-fetched. I think I think Bama clears out a 2-2. Two, two. Um, yeah. I guess so. If they, they, if they have Georgia. two losses, I, I don't think you can put a two-loss team in the playoff. Mm-hmm. And and the fact that there was if there's one thing that we can take out of the Michigan-Michigan State thing is that that's fine. You know, if the committee says the head-to-heads aren't really going to matter that, that much, then, hell, we're playing our best football. I think that's definitive. Like, Notre Dame's definitely playing his best football. Yeah. Who says we can't jump Cincinnati? We'll draw better. We'll draw better to yeah. – to, wherever the game is, I, I think it's my, the Orange Bowl and the Cotton Bowl. We'll draw better to both those places. So, Gosh, um, please Pat, don't make us go back to Dallas. No, I'd go to Miami. But, uh, yeah. no, but the, the path so those is are certainly cleared up. Wars. Yeah. Yeah, they, are, they really are. But the so, path is certainly cleared up. We Like, D, you said it. Like, like this, it always works itself out. Whether Like, whether it's going to work out for the Irish or not, we don't know. But in the past, there usually is not that much debate about the top four teams. Let's take it week by week here. Who are we big fans of this weekend? Off the bat, Penn State, Sean Clifford and Penn State yep. would love a home win against Michigan. Um, yep. And then, so we talk about the Big 12. Oklahoma we'll State, if they went out, they probably jump us. Yeah, I could see yeah. it. Because they'll have two wins over. They'll have two wins over Oklahoma. I mean, yeah, I'll root for TCU. I don't really think they have a shot. Yeah, that doesn't matter. Didn't TCU just pick off Baylor? Yeah, TCU has is they fired Gary Patterson and look a little different. Yeah, I think that right now my two biggest teams that I would kind of focus on this week to be cheering for is obviously um, would obviously I guess guess there's three. It's obviously Penn State, right? Besides the fact that it's Michigan, the fact that it also clear Michigan out of the way would be freaking huge. Sean Clifford at home, uh, as actually that that game has moved from a pick'em to Michigan favorite one and a half, uh, favorite by one and a half. Uh, Penn State as a home dog with Sean Clifford at noon. Uh, I it sucks the games at noon. It's not seven thirty, but uh, we'll take we'll take what we can get there. I think we're definitely Penn State. We're definitely Penn State fans this week. I'd say we're also probably. Baylor fans, right? Can yep. can a seven can an eight and two Baylor jump a one loss Notre Notre Dame? 
no, but Oklahoma no. might fall behind it, right? Because Notre Dame would have the better quality loss. And then the other one here is a team we just mentioned. This is a lot easier said than done, especially because the game's Thursday night and it's at Heinz Field. But, hey, let's, let's hope North Carolina keeps winning football games. Like, Sam Howell struggled with the talent that was around him, but he's still a dude. He proved that in South Bend. He proved it again last week at home in Chapel Hill. I hope he goes on the road and and certainly at least gives Pitt a run for their money. I think there's going to be a lot of points in that game. Um, if UNC can force a turnover to, you know, North Carolina get another win against the top the top 25 team would be really, really big for our, for our schedule. Is there any other teams that I missed that could be really important this week? Purdue, if they knock off Purdue, Ohio yeah. State. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that'd be a fun one. I don't expect that to happen. And, but, I mean, having a two-loss Ohio State also takes them out of the equation. But that's why we, I don't really I, see We that. won't get to this during picks. And I don't even think it helps us at all. Like, like just Georgia roll. But wouldn't it be funny if the Vols can make some noise against Georgia? And I, I think this is their biggest test of the year. I mean, they've played Kentucky yeah. at home, but Kentucky's lost three straight. Like, they're proven to not be what we thought yeah, they were. Like Their schedule has been sneaky, like, really weak. Like, then it's like Kentucky mm-hmm. or, like, an Auburn. Clemson yeah. week one, and that true. Clemson is god-awful. I can't even remember. I mean, that game feels like it was years ago. I remember the 10-3 game. Like, what a, what a game that was. No, okay. I, I think you guys are right on Purdue and Ohio State. I just I, – I'm wondering when – that Purdue luck runs out because they're a good football team, right? And and I wanted to say this off the jump, like Aiden O'Connell threw for over 500 yards. David Bell had over 200 yards receiving. Like they played awesome this week. They were the, they were the better team, better football team. I feel like Michigan State, and they were the better team against Iowa. But we know from a talent standpoint that should not continue to hold up. So when is no. when is that going to expire? And I think this week is the week that it expires. Like I think I think you'd be a little silly. Maybe I think maybe they keep it under three touchdowns, but I think it'd be a little silly to just say, you know, just because of what Purdue did against Iowa and Michigan State, they're going to do it again this week against Ohio State. Yeah. All right. And in terms of the games last week, obviously, you know, nothing too eventful. Like, obviously, a top five team losing is eventful, but Michigan State, you know, didn't feel like a true powerhouse mm-hmm. by any means. Purdue kept that up. I'd say that was probably the biggest result of the week, but. Yeah. Uh, other than that, kind of just a low key week in college football, like an A yeah, and M Auburn, like a rock fight in the SEC. But I had a, I had really quick on my notes. I had teams who lost, so teams who lost, number three Michigan State, number nine Wake Forest, and number twelve Baylor. And then the next category I had teams who should have lost, number two Alabama. If LSU had any semblance of a quarterback, they would have had. They probably would have beat Alabama. Oregon should have lost to Washington. They got bailed out by the rain and by dumb boneheaded coaching decisions by Washington. Ohio State barely escapes Lincoln because Scott Frost hates winning football games. And Cincinnati probably should have got beat by Tulsa or at least gone to overtime with Tulsa. They got two stops inside the five. The second one was not their fault. The second one, Tulsa fumbled the ball through the back, through, through the end zone. Um, that was not a Cincinnati forced play. That was a Tulsa mistake. I'm going to be honest. I didn't watch ton of football. I was actually – in NY, visit my brother. My brother, um, I got to see most of the Notre Dame game, and then was was tracking stuff. The two games though were, were Michigan State and Wake Forest, and Wake Forest they did what Wake Forest does, 
that users yeah. worked in the past. Um, I know they stalled a little bit, which got let, left North Carolina back in the game. But like we we said, North Carolina is not going to the door. I would not be surprised to see them run the table and finish top twenty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought I thought that was probably my favorite game of the day was Wake and, and UNC. That was a that was oh, a yeah. good time. Lots of score. Uh, 113 points. Like, yeah, that's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Before we go to our game real quick, uh, actually, we can come, we can come to this after. Let's, let's talk about our game a little bit. Ian, obviously, you caught uh, a lot of that. Um, I thought it was tense early, just given that um, there was not a whole lot of scoring early on, and, and they, they, they were kind of marched – they kind of marched on us a little bit. Uh, but all in all, like, Defense was freaking outstanding this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, defensive line had probably their best game of the year. Uh, I, I should say definitively had their best game of the year. Kurt Heinisch had 10 tackles. Uh, Fossey and Batello on opposite sides of each other on the ends were just was like awesome to watch. I thought Jack Kaiser played really well in the safety spot, and they only had four missed tackles, which obviously was a problem against North Carolina. We had a lot of missed tackles. I thought that they really cleaned it up this week, and, and tackling was going to be important this week, and they did a really, really good job. They played really strong assignment football, and this is why Brian Kelly starts prepping for Navy in spring ball. Um, yeah, they do option. They do option stuff all year because it's that important and can be, and you can get caught off guard, uh, which we did not get caught off guard last week. Yeah, I mean. All you can really say, especially on the defensive side of the ball, we can get to the offense, which slow start overall. I'm not pleased, but not pissed. The defense, I mean, they're physical, flew through the football. Like Navy, this isn't, you know, Malcolm Perry led Navy offense, but at the same time, like it's always going to be tough to defend. We saw teams, even like Cincinnati led Navy come within one score of them. That was never really an option for them. I think they had like one play that was a big gainer. And that was it. It was just kind of a blown assignment on the reverse. After that, it was just punish them. Like, their offensive line could do nothing against us. Yeah, I, I think, like, physicality is kind of the word that sticks out because sometimes when you're playing an option team, you can just be like, this sucks. I don't want to be here. Like, yeah. we should win. This is just annoying. But, like, we look prepared and excited to deliver some blows. Like, our linebackers, too, once they had a read, they went. They, they, yeah. just, they didn't – there was no hesitation, and they were putting, like – they they were trying to put hats on a ball. Like the, I thought, the physicality was awesome. The offense, like slow start, but almost. I'm gonna look for a positive here. It it looked even like another week where we kind of had an identity and an actual plan of what we wanted to do. Yeah, I thought Tommy Reese played a pretty good, uh, put together a pretty good game plan. Again, uh, I think that. It took them a little while to figure out where the where they were going to be able to attack, um, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. It's kind of it was kind of like a feeling out process. But I think pretty quickly afterwards they, they figured it out, and and it's been talked a lot at the press conferences. But like the back to back plays, they ran the same exact play right at the end of the half. The second one resulting in the Kevin Austin touchdown. Um, they literally just ran the same exact play because they saw something they really really liked, which was Kevin Austin getting between um, getting between the deep safety and the corner. Um, and, and letting Jack Cohn throw a rope in there. Uh, I think they adjusted to what they saw, waited, waited, and, and Tommy Reese picked the spots. And Kyron Williams is still, you know, we're still going to make this Kyron Williams show because he didn't, I don't think he crossed 100 yards rushing, but his 
his ability to make people mess is like scary good. It, it is scary good. He is very, very, very difficult to tackle. Um, and I did think the offensive line uh, played pretty well as well. I think it was a smaller defensive line they had to go against, but uh, nothing. There's nothing wrong with getting another good confidence game under your belt as you go into the last three here. Yeah, same. If if I had one, my biggest complaint is the slow starts that we've been seeing. But one thing I thought that was interesting that I saw was, you know, these last like four or five opponents almost, almost all of them have had their bye week right before they play us. So they get time to prepare, you know, throw in a new wrinkle on their defense, throw stuff on the field that Notre Dame has not seen on film. And when they do that, you know, and you have your place scripted to what you've seen on defense and they come up in something completely different, you got to flip the script, maybe incomplete pass just sets you off, you know, you're not on pace for the entire set of downs. And, you know, we've seen a couple three and outs to start games, which isn't great, but I, I think it might be a function of the defense is throwing something new out there. And thankfully this is the last time I believe that the opponent has a bye before facing Notre Dame. Like you, you, you do say like the, our coordinators and Kelly have the hard, I like one of the hardest jobs in the country in game planning. Cause yeah. without like, kind of all agree like throughout conferences there's usually similar identities teams aren't all that different to play against like we're going from you know cincinnati usc north carolina navy and then back to virginia like the the identity of these teams are so so vastly different and these game plans and these practice scripts like have to be so different week to week and yeah. plug in plug in plug in Wisconsin to the front end of right before yeah. Cincinnati, right? Like yeah. that's a much different team than what Cincinnati is in the same way that Cincinnati is a different team than what USC and North Carolina were in the same way that those teams are different from Navy and that, um, you know, Virginia is going to be what we saw in USC and North Carolina on steroids. Yeah. It's a complete area now, I think. Yeah. You know, if we want to look ahead a little bit to Virginia – Let's see, number one, is it scoring offense or total yards in the country? They're number one in one of those. But I, would I, I, I would guess yardage. But yeah. I'm going to say yardage probably, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, either way, it's a team that can put up 30-40 on really anyone. I will say, though, Notre Dame will be the best defense that I think they faced. Right? Like, you know, and Marcus Freeman, maybe the best coordinator. And Wrinkle, which, I, I mean, they are being so, like – secretive about it, I guess, not in lack of a better word in terms of Brennan Armstrong's uh, availability, who's their quarterback. Um, I mean, if he plays, this game becomes scary. If he doesn't, it becomes a lot easier. Yeah. Uh, one thing before we move to Virginia, we move to Virginia very quickly, I want to say that I found it fascinating last week. Um, not fascinating. I think it was kind of expected, but that Freeman did everything he could to make practices as physical as possible. Uh, which meant a lot of live tackling and a lot of Especially live the injuries we're facing. Right. And, the injuries that, we got. and that's, and that's how I'm going to tie it back into Virginia. Right. Like I think a lot of team, a lot of the team in their post game press conferences talked about how well the scout offense did this week with Chase Ketterer and other guys like that, uh, who scored more against this defense than Navy did against, against this <laughs> defense, which is, which is really, really cool. Um, but Notre Dame decided to go live this week in practice uh, for, for a lot of it. And I think that's what really helped the tackling this week. Um, I'm not saying this, that should be the case every week because obviously it did lead to injuries. Uh, Drew White tore his patella tendon last week. 
on Wednesday. Uh, played through it. It sounds like he's going to be able to continue to play through it. He's a warrior, but like you got to find a fine. There's going to be a sh- fine sharp line between going live in practice to get ready for Navy and uh, and and risk an injury, especially at places where you're already re- really really thin. Um, and you know, I think this is certainly a game in Virginia where that back seven is going to get tested. Um, so with the backer spot already thin, and probably no Kyle Hamilton, I'd have to guess. Um, Notre Dame's got their work cut out for them because uh, if there's one thing this Virginia team does well, it's move it, move the move the football to all of their receivers. It's not just a one-man show like we saw with Drake London or or Josh Downs. Uh, all of their receivers will touch the football. All of their receivers are threats. Their running back running game is not necessarily a threat, but all of their receivers will touch the ball. And obviously, Brandon Armstrong, if he plays, uh, if he plays, is is one of the best quarterbacks in the country, probably as far as the start, as far as throwing the football. You you mentioned an injury. Um, so Avery Davis is like that my guy for a while. Like I love that dude. Yeah. That is How like can a dev- devastating injury for him. I mean, he's given us he's given this program absolutely everything since the second he stepped on campus. There are t- good takeaways from it. Do you think he comes back? He has availability to come back. Do you think he comes back? I mean, if he really likes living in South Bend as a kid from Texas, um, yeah. yeah, maybe. If he has for five years yeah. and like shifted to every position on the football field, I think there's a strong possibility he comes back. Um, it's not like NFL scouts are you know, hitting yeah. his line every second. So I think there's a strong possibility he comes back. Um, a lot more Lorenzo Styles going yeah. forward, and Deion Colsey, and yeah. Deion Colsey. I'd say that Davis probably comes back for the sake for the reason that I don't think he's going to get a very good, very high NFL draft grade, right? yeah. especially with the ACL injury. I think that he, well, I do think he could play in the NFL because I, because I've seen what he's been able to do here at Notre Dame. I don't necessarily think he's got the notoriety that he needs. Um, especially when he he really hasn't been the number one receiver on, on any of these teams, um, so I could definitely see him coming back as long as he wants to be back in South Bend, uh, which which it seems like he really likes it there and he's and he's really found his spot, um, especially being a mentor to to some of the younger guys. But I also agree with you in like seeing more Lorenzo Styles is not going to stink, right? Like it, mm-hmm. it sucks that we're that we're pretty thin at the position, given we only got five scholarship players at the position and one of them's redshirting, so we probably won't see him, but. Uh, more Colsey, more Styles. You'll see plenty of Kevin Austin. Um, who am I saying? Braden Lindsay. I think you'll see Lindsay, and I think it'll be interesting to see what Reese does as far as filling filling that receiver spot. Uh, or maybe he chooses he, he feels like he doesn't have to, and we run more two back and more two tight end, um, or flex as we've seen him do a bunch. Flex Kyron and and Chris Tyree uh, into slot spots as well. Motion them back and forth. I think it'll be really interesting to see what Tommy Reese does. I think he'll have a really solid game plan put together, but obviously the uh, the injury to Avery Davis really, really hurts. Yeah, and it sucks for him. But yeah, yeah. Like, like you guys said, like Deion Colsey had a big catch. Lorenzo Styles a little quieter this game than he had been, but getting those two touches, keeping them happy, you know, having two really good freshman receivers is never really a bad thing because they're both super talented. Yeah, they, they really are. Um, I, I really – go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say one thing is that 
why Tyler Buckner barely plays like the mm-hmm. last couple of games is he really, you know, one thing that I wanted to touch on is when the other teams are coming out to start the game and they're stopping us because they're like, all right, Notre Dame's going to do X, Y, and Z with Cohen starting. What, who would be opposed to throwing out Buckner for the first series? Like obviously Cohen's still going to get the majority of snaps with the defenses. Like, all right, they'll hand off the Kyron Williams and they'll try to hit Mayer on a drag. And then third down, they'll try to hit Kevin Austin. Like, instead of that, how about we throw Buckner in there and make them adjust on the fly to that? And I don't know, it's just a little wrinkle because we're going to have to score points to win this week. And if we give them, especially, you know, if they get the ball first, score a touchdown, we go three and out, you know, that's not an offense that I want to be down two scores to start super quickly if they are, if they convert. D, a.k.a. Kevin Cash of the Tampa Bay Rays, wants to go <laughs> yeah, no Start with the closer. No, I I think we've talked about that before, though, D. Like, because we 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 just touched on like how difficult some weeks of practices can be. Like, if you're if you're putting different things out on film than you are actually throwing out there on the field, people are not going to be prepared. And like, it could be one series. I'm with you. Like, what has what have we seen from Cone being the first guy trotting out there? throughout the season that makes you confident that we're going to put seven or even three on the board in that first drive. Like, even if we don't score with Buckner, they're already thinking. And then the next, they go to the bench and they're like, all right, how do we handle Buckner? And we come back out with Cone. Like, I don't think it's a bad idea. I think we've talked about it. It was weird. It was weird that they said they were going to get Buckner more involved. And then he wasn't more involved in a game that we were up very big in. I think that, I think the D is right. I really like the idea of using an opener and starting with Buckner because it has been a little stale, a little stagnant on the opening drives. Um, and I don't – and the other reason I'm really not opposed to it at all is because I think while it's been a little bit of play, play by year, which is why we've seen less of Buckner because Cone's been doing better on, on a lot of his drives. Like he, he hasn't really needed a bailout, so that's why you really haven't gone to Buckner. But I think everybody's everybody in that quarterback room, everybody in the offense, everybody in the coaching staff is very comfortable playing it by year and playing it in accord, you know, in accordance with the flow of the game. Like you don't necessarily have to say that Cone has to come out for the second driver, has to play drives two, three, and four. Um, I think that throwing them a curveball and starting with Buckner is a really, really good idea. But I think everybody's on the same page that um, it's okay to be comfortable. They're they're getting comfortable being uncomfortable knowing who their quarterback is at this point uh, and who's going to play each drive because when they're comfortable with that and the defense isn't it gives them a huge huge advantage. So I, I kind of like that idea. I think that was a that's a good point. Yeah, going forward, and I think we may not see it this week just because Virginia's defense is so bad. Like as good as their offense is, their defense is almost as bad. They're they gave up sixty six points to BYU and BYU took their foot off the gas a little bit. Mm-hmm. That is a fuck ton of points. It's a, lot. it's a lot of points. Like, that's hard to do. That's, that's Wake Forest numbers hard to do. Let's see how – Wake. Um, yeah, BYU had the ball for 34 minutes, 36 first downs. I mean, that's pretty – that's pretty efficient. Yeah. 730 36. yards from BYU. Wow. I would be surprised if we put up that much just because we're going to be focused on running the ball. But this could be another huge Kyron Williams day. Yeah. Yeah. 
I'd like to see – I feel like Mayer had a really, really big first few weeks, right? Like really big against Florida State, really big uh, against Toledo. We haven't – not that he hasn't been around, but I, I wouldn't mind trying to go back to him. I'm not saying we got to force feed him the football, but that would be another change up that I think because we've been relying so heavily on, Ke- on Kevin Austin on the perimeter and uh, Lorenzo Styles in the slot and uh, and Kyron Williams in the backfield. Like, I don't know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind taking a few more shots to Mayer, especially when you get in the red zone, right? Like, um, kind of use Mayer the same way that Brady uses Gronk. Um, doesn't necessarily yeah. need to move the ball down the field to him, but when they get down there, make him the red zone threat that he can be. Um, so I'd be interested to see if that kind of comes into play. I think the war- the big worry spot for me this weekend, as it's been in weeks past, uh, is the secondary. Um, I, I I like the thought there too, and you know, Donna, you said it a little bit like you're like, oh, drag route to Mayer, like or or a seam route to Mayer. Like we're using him strictly as a tight end when he should just be treated as a weapon. Like overall, yeah. there's just other ways we can get him involved that are less that they just make a defensive coordinator's job harder. I mean, have we seen like a tight end screen to Mayor to like try to get him in the open field or honestly just line him out like wide on the field side and let him just beat somebody one-on-one. Like there are other ways to use him, but we've been using him strictly as a tight end. I think we could get more creative with it. And this is an opportunity to get more creative with it. Yeah. Like give him the Claypool Boykin, like back shoulder 20 yards downfield. Like, yeah. I, don't I mean, think that should be automatic. That's automatic. Like if, they're, if they're manned up and like somehow you see like a linebacker out there, either A, they're going to have to double cover him, leave someone else, you know, open. Or is a five foot 10, 175 pound corner going to outduel Michael Mayer for the football? No, especially not to the sideline. Like, have you no guys way. seen, have you guys seen how George uses Brock Bowers? Yeah, they do that. A little different. A little different because Brock Bowers is like, he's got like probably like four, five speed. Like, he's fast. Like, he's, he's, He's an absolute freak of an athlete, but they move him all over the field, all over the formation. And like, he's probably going to beat out Michael Mayer for a tight end of the year just because they use him in different ways. Yeah. Um, I guess it's also important, though, like, you got to pick your spots too because keeping Mayer in line, he is a really good blocker. Uh-huh. So, you know, while well, I'm a group, well, like I said, I'm all for the changeup. Reese is going to have to pick his spots because he is super, super important to keep in line to help help the tackles, especially if you see a pretty athletic defensive end or an outside linebacker. Uh, yeah. But, I mean, like, Gandhi. I don't know. I was just going to say, you know, when you're thinking of replacing Avery Davis, that's another option out there is lining yes. up Mayer in the slot, Definitely. splitting Definitely. him out. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And that's one that I actually haven't seen a whole lot of attention get this week, actually. I think that was. Like a lot of people, yeah. the very popular opinion is to move Chris Tyree to the slot. Uh, I have not seen a whole lot of people say, oh, we should definitely split Mayer out a little bit more, which I think would be a really, really good thing, wrinkle to put in and something that I think Tommy Reese would be very capable of doing. Um, kind of go in the opposite direction of what a lot of people are saying he should. Uh, the one thing that, that the, like I was saying before, the one thing that kind of worries me this week is our secondary. Um, like I said, just given that all the receivers are going to touch the football, right? So it's not like you just have Cam Hart trying to match up with with their number one. Like everybody's going to touch the football, which mm-hmm. means that's going to require not only, you know, I think we can trust Cam Hart to do it, but that's going to require, and again, I've been a DJ Brown fan as of late. I think he's been playing really good football, but that's going to require Houston Griffith, DJ Brown, Clarence Lewis, Ramon Henderson, like all of these guys 
are going to have to be able to cover this week guys who are really, really fast and also be able to tackle. Um, because that's that's one thing, right? Like you can give up a seven-yard out, but if we miss the tackle and these guys get to make – these guys turn 17 or 27 out of what should have been seven, then that's, that's a big problem. So uh, just without Kyle Hamilton again, I'm worried because he's just the natural safety blanket. Um, but I think it's another challenge for the defensive for the defensive backs to step up here. Um, and I think they'll probably be able to get a little help because you probably won't need to send more than three or four um, to get pressure on Armstrong. Like you might be able to play seven or eight deep uh, on yeah. a lot of, especially on, on all the obvious passing downs, which is a lot for Virginia. Kind of a side note here. If you're Brennan Armstrong, do you want to be playing against a team with like Heinish coming up the middle, the Denver Lolas, like Foskey, Botello coming off the edge with broken ribs? Nope. Patella played really well, by the way. He, he should get a shout out. He, he had a great yep. game. Yes. Yes. Uh, he's a he's a scary fucker. Good for him. He, he actually, the answer if you're Brennan Armstrong, you're in the locker room or you're in the trainer's room being like, do we do everything you can to get me on the field? And I think he probably believes that. And then at halftime, he's like, no, nah, I messed up. Yeah. Messed I don't just got I think he could wear he could wear a Kevlar flak jacket this week, like a Kevlar rib protect, rib protector, and it would not save him if he got hit by Patello or Foskey, or really Drew White, but for, for that matter, if Drew White hits an A gap blitz and blows somebody to pieces, um, we could be looking at a body on the field. Yeah, I mean that's also something that's kind of slept on about UVA's offense is that I don't know if he's their leading rusher overall. I know he leads them in yards per carry and has had a couple games over ninety yards. So he's a, definitely a threat to run when he's healthy, but you know, unless you're planning on getting four yards and sliding, this isn't Sam Howell who is going to make you tackle him out there. Like this guy's going down. Like we could not bring Sam Howell to the ground. I have a feeling this guy isn't going to want people piling on you know, if we make first contact. So that kind of takes a little bit if he plays of their offense, you know, out of the question, out of the playbook, because you're not going to yeah. be running him, especially on like design QB powers. Like that's just not going to happen. I think as a passer, he's probably not as good as it gets, but he's definitely a top-tier passer. Um, mm-hmm. At this point with the rib injury, I feel like as far as a runner, he is a discount Braxton Burmeister. Um, yeah. He's not going to be as much of a threat as Hal was by any means. And Burmeister got his a little bit, but if you're afraid to get hit, uh, good, good luck to you because that just means you're going to be able to pick up less and less yards, and that means less and less first downs. Uh, is anybody assuming he plays? Leonard Armstrong plays. What's what's the worry level? I mean, it's in it's in Charlottesville. I was more yeah. worried for USC, honestly, and I don't know why. You know, rivalry game and all that. I just think you know it's, it's it goes back to the same type of shit. Notre Dame hasn't lost a rank to a ranked team in forty games, and I don't think. This is really the team to do it. I think we can score enough. I think we'll have enough on defense unless, you know, we stopped North Carolina for three and a half quarters without Kyle Hamilton. And mm-hmm. they're you know, maybe not as lethal, but we will. We prepared that entire week as if we would have had Kyle Hamilton on the field. We have now had plenty of time to prepare to get a defensive game plan without Kyle Hampton. Now it'll be a miracle if he plays like somehow, like I love to Kelly's quote, like, yeah, if he's wakes up Saturday and becomes healthy, we can just throw him on the field. Like love that. I mean, 
you know, dude's true. top five players in the country. But we've now had a week to put together a game plan, probably with a lot of nuance for, at them, a lot of looks that they haven't seen before. I trust Marcus Freeman. That's kind of his mantra. You know, I'm not as worried. You know, if we can survive that Carolina passing attack without him, I think we can survive this Virginia one, especially against a banged up or second string quarterback. I just yeah, there's a little bit Navy. of the uh, the post Navy sleepover or, or hangover. There's the post Navy hangover is a little bit of a worry, but like again, like it seems like these coaches have got these guys locked in. Yeah, um, I I think there's certainly something to be said. I don't think it probably gets enough attention or the attention that it deserves, but I think as good of a job as Brian Kelly's doing, I think his coordinators are doing as good of a job, if not a better job, as well as some of his position coaches. Like Elston obviously had a really, really good week last week. Um, and and I think it was I was very, very impressed. My worry level is, I think, higher than it was for UNC and USC. Um, truthfully, I think I'm overthinking it, but um, just knowing how many yards these guys put up through the air um, and not, like I said, not having that safety blanket, Kyle Hamilton, um, if Brennan Armstrong plays, I'm a little worried. I'm not – I don't think it's – I don't think it's world-ending, like you said, D, like we, we more often than not, and by more often than not, 42 of our last 42 take care of business against unranked teams. But um, it's still it's still a worry. I, I would be lying if I said it wasn't. I think offensively we're going to be okay, but the secondary is going to get tested. And I think that's the weak spot on the defense. So um, mm-hmm. that's that's kind of that's kind of where I stand on it. I think they'll give up yards, but I mean, I'm looking for a couple of big plays. Like somebody yeah. somebody come down with one of those balls in the secondary, and yeah. it will be fine. Houston Griffith, please do something in your Notre Dame career. That <laughs> like, would be a great. This would be a great coming out party. I'll he made an awesome. Yeah. Hype video for the Wisconsin Chicago game. That was something. That was something. Also, it was a bad video, but yeah, I was about to say like him and Kyron Williams <laughs> yeah. just wildly, awkwardly walking to the that, bean. That is the most notable thing he's done so far, though. Yeah, yeah. I need him to tackle better, to not want to want to get blocked less, and to play some decent coverage. Um, all right, you guys want to hit Bishop Sycamore for all the weeks, and then. Uh, some picks, and then we'll get out of here. Sounds sure. great. Can I lead us off? Please do. Sure. He obviously might have been my Bishop Sycamore for the week already. Um, he definitely was, but I'm gonna do it again. PJ Fleck. Like, what do we? Mm-hmm. The first of all, what was the committee doing when putting Minnesota in their rankings? Again, that was that Big Ten bias that I was just shocked about, and then. Illinois handily beat beat this team, handily beat this team, and I'm just so confused on why we haven't just universally accepted that PJ Fleck. He's a good marketer. He's a good marketer of his program, but when it comes to actually running a football program, he doesn't do it successfully. No, garbage. Bishop Sycamore you have of the week. Do yeah, you have, have one. one. Go ahead. It's not, it's not necessarily say I'm going outside the football world. Uh, just watching the college basketball games last night, it all I could think about was how insufferable this year is going to be in terms of watching Coach K's final season. Brutal. And then they're honoring him at MSG at halftime, and that's like game one of the year. Every single team they play is going to like 
cheer for him. Like, is this dude going to get a standing ovation at Carolina? Like, I fucking hope not. And the worst part is my Friday week is going to be the ESPN college basketball, like production slash scheduling team is Duke is going to be on ESPN like every night. And they're going to touch on Kay's retirement like every night. See like what former players are here. So like clips of the last time they played NC State and won by as many points. Like all the great moments against every team. So it's just going to be like insufferable. And that's mainly because Coach K is kind of insufferable, especially when he has a bad team. So and a bad yeah. back. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my uh, my Bishop Sycamore fraud of the week uh, is Dan Mullen and the oh, Florida yeah. Gators. Yeah. Uh, We'd be remiss to not mention the fact that he made those comments about recruiting, about not recruiting mm-hmm. during the season, which is kind of a really good time to recruit, given that's when all the high school kids are also playing football. Um, but they not only did that, they also went to Columbia and lost to the University of South Carolina. Uh, that was pretty that, embarrassing. And that they got, worked by South they Carolina. Got pop, they got pumped by South Carolina. Um I don't know if they got caught off guard by how loud Sandstorm is, like in the pregame. Like, I don't, I don't know what it was, but they, they. I mean, I, I heard they had flu issues too this week. But damn, man, like you played most of your starters. Figure it out if you, if you think you're a real college football team, you would like to remain the head coach of that of that football team. So I'm going to nominate Dan well, Mullen and the Florida Gators. They also got dunked on all weekend by the South Carolina media team on Twitter. Which that was awesome. Cool. That yeah. was awesome. Yeah. They had a field day. Well, the other thing, do you see how Florida's quarterback got hurt the night before the game? This guy who's coming off a knee injury hurts himself like dancing in the team hotel on that Friday night. Just, that was the I mean, most Florida thing of all time. Really I say no shame on that. <laughs> say no shame on that. <laughs> He's like, like I, love, I, love, I love the party. He, yeah, he loves do you, party. Riley? Like, like yeah. that, it, that happens, you know? That actually happens. I actually have a buddy who did that a couple weeks ago, high school reunion. He's been in a very time, <laughs> so... Yeah, shout out James. Um, all right, let's do some picks. Let's do it. Uh, I'm I'm personally watching uh, Rocky Lombardi and hoping that he comes through for me. So I could be I going to, this this week on one. I should really, really, really consider stop putting my money, uh, stopping putting my money behind Rocky Lombardi. Yeah, but we don't. Uh, like it just never guy. goes well. We don't like it. Just never. We continue to do it. Yeah, I just I, – I hate I hate having money in my account. Um, anyways, <laughs> uh, we'll, start with, we'll, start, we'll start with our game. Uh, 7.30 on Saturday night uh, on ABC. Uh, we are – let's see if the line has changed. This line makes me think that, that um, Armstrong's going to play, um, mm-hmm. just given that it's a little tighter than maybe you would expect it to be. But it's still five and a half. Notre Dame is favored by five and a half on the road. Uh, what's, what you guys, what's your guys' pick? So, Sneaky, after starting the year, <clears throat> I believe, 0-2 against the spread, the Irish have ripped off 6-1 and yeah. since then. Yep. A little cover game action. Um, I, I think it's the same thing. I think this is a line that Vegas really isn't sure, and because of that, you know, like I think Notre Dame's probably a touchdown better, even with Armstrong. Now, of course, we've seen a couple of Notre Dame night games on the road this year already come down to the last play of the game in the Virginia Tech and Florida State. But something tells me, you know, since those games, especially Virginia Tech, that's, you know, that was almost a turning point in those last couple of drives. Since then, Notre Dame hasn't 
really been close with anyone. Now, have they played great teams? No, but I think they've played equivalent level teams in terms of offensive talent, uh, raw talent. Now, maybe the system's better for UVA, but I, I think this is a game Irish get. They win by seven to ten. Um, I will go forty-one thirty-one Irish. Good pick, Dave. Ian. Yeah, I think this is a different team than we saw a couple weeks ago. And, like, definitely a lot of the, the metrics that go into the numbers for Vegas incorporate that this is a team that started out only two against the spread. I'm, I feel pretty good about this week. I actually think our secondary will play well. Um, and, again, this number is definitely assuming Brendan Armstrong will play. I'm going to go 38-24 to 24 Irish. Easy cover. Yeah. I, uh, like, I met, like I just said, I think this – uh, and Ian, like you just mentioned, this I think this definitively means that, or this is this this at least this at least means the Vegas insiders think that Brandon Armstrong is going to play with numbers like this. Um, I'm worried about the secondary. Uh, I have not seen Virginia not put up points so far. Uh, I think the team, yeah, I think they they've struggled in some spots. Like they struggled against Miami, but uh, that was kind of that was on the road. Uh, Brandon Armstrong at home, you just think has to be playing a little better. Um, that does not mean that I'm not going to take Notre Dame to cover. I think Cover Dame has been back in a big way the last few weeks, and, and I've, I've loved it. Uh, I loved it very much. Uh, I just think that there's going to be a few more points in this game uh, than maybe we think. Uh, I'm going to say Notre Dame wins uh, wins 45-33. Uh, I don't know how I landed on 33, but I just think that, that Virginia is a team that gets off the bus and puts, puts 30 on the board. Um, so I'll take I'll take forty four thirty three uh, Irish, but we get the we get the cover in the win, much like we did against North Carolina. Um, we'll we'll roll through right. these picks a little quicker, but like does it, this doesn't seem like there'll be a lot of field goals in this game. No, and like five and a half is a weird number. Like if you think Notre Dame's gonna um, win, like yeah. I, I suggest if you think Notre Dame's gonna win, I think you're pretty comfortable that they win by six or more. That's usually how I feel about all Miss games. Um, I, but I will, I will, I will say that if Notre Dame can force a field goal or two, bend, bend and don't break, that would be massive. Mm-hmm. Um, we've we've we'll been see, really we'll good at that. We, we have been I very good at that. Fourth best in the country in terms of red zone defense, like that's touchdown awesome. percentage. I didn't know that. Did yep. not know that. Um, all right, let's go to the next one. Uh, this one we kicked off, and uh, we kicked off a rank first rank game because we thought this one was just way more important, way, way more fun to talk about. Uh, Michigan goes to Happy Valley. Uh, Mid, uh, Penn State is a one and a half point dog. This line has moved a little bit all week. Um, I'm not sure if there's been any injury news. I haven't seen anything. I think it's just the way the money's coming in. But uh, this was even earlier this week. Now Penn State's one and a half point dog at home. Uh, the noon kick kind of sucks. I wish it was at 7:30, but no, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll make do. I'm sure Happy Valley will still get loud. Um, what do you guys think? Sean Clifford, home dog. I always ride with him, except okay. when I don't. But yeah, let's book it. Nittany Lions are winning this one, except when I don't. I yeah. will forever fade Jim Harbaugh. Like, I like it's it's Sean it's Penn State. It's Penn State for me for sure. Um, in Happy Valley, Jim Harbaugh this season like six or what are they? They're five. They're five. Like, that's way too good to be true for Jim Harbaugh. There's no way they keep it up. They absolutely implode. They find some way to mess it up themselves. And Penn State gets a win in a super ugly one. Like, I'm not, I'm not trying to watch this game, I don't think. 
<laughs> yeah. I think uh, I think you're right, Ian. Penn State wins ugly here. Um, they, I think they do enough to muck it up on defense. Um, I would love – I might take K. McNamara to throw an interception this game. Um, I would love yeah. to see him turn the football over because I actually don't think J, uh, DJ McCarthy or J.D. Is J.D. or DJ? J.D. McCarthy's going to see a whole lot of a lot of the field. Um, I think there's going to be issues. Nope. There's going to be issues here with um, with uh, Michigan running the football, but I think Penn State's defense has, has done pretty well in that in that spot. If you're looking at like what they did earlier this year, they, they held a pretty good Wisconsin rushing offense to almost nothing. So um, I'll take Penn State uh, at home as a home dog. Um, next game, we're going to go to the SEC. Uh, this is a ranked versus ranked matchup. This is uh, Texas A&M goes to Oxford. Ole Miss is a two-and-a-half-point dog at home. I don't know what time this game is. I'll get in a second. But, D, uh, what are your thoughts here, Texas A&M and Ole Miss? Uh, I think Texas A&M has a really good defense. Yeah. They do and you know, I, I think they're kind of hot now. Like They've kind of figured stuff out. Is their quarterback going to be out? So he got Calzada. He did get hurt. Yeah. He did get. He did get hurt. Is he out? I don't know. If, I don't know if he's in here. I'll, I'll Google it. But keep going. I think he's going to play. I. I. I haven't heard yeah, that he wasn't going to play. Yeah. Yeah. For that reason, I. I think the lane train's fun, but I think you know they're just too flawed on defense. You know they're not an elite defensive team, and A and M kind of showed last week. Like if you. You know they're gonna they can find ways to win without necessarily scoring the ball in a good defense. But when they face a bad defense, I think they'll be fine. And I, I think I think they can get it done here. I don't love this pick at all, but I'll go with A and I I agree with everything you said, D. Um, I'm chasing you in the in the rankings, and I did contrarian. Give me Lane and the Rebs. And if they win, this hits their team total over. This is their win their win total over for the season. All right. So, D, you took Texas A&M, right? I, I was looking for stuff on, on Kelzada. I think he's going to play. Uh, yeah, but, I'm on the Aggies. You're on the Aggies. Ian, you said you're on Ole Miss, right? On I'm on train. Ole Miss. I'm on Ole Miss. God damn it. I feel like this is such – this is so stupid. I shouldn't do this, but I'm going to join Ian on the lane train, man. I love Lane Kiffin. I love I love Matt Corral. Uh, I, I'm all here for, for Ole Miss at home. I hope it'd be – D, D, if, if they came out in the powder blues on, uh, oh, on you're done on Saturday, I'd be really, really, really worried. If Lane, if Lane Kiffin wears the powder blue baseball jersey off the bus into the stadium, uh, I would be, I would file myself under concerned. Let's get a game time on this game, but I'm going to take Ole Miss. Uh, this game is at, uh, sorry, this game is at seven o'clock on ESPN. Um, so it'll be ah. right in front of our game. We're we're on, we're on ABC, right? Yeah, we're on ABC. Yeah, yeah. So oh, Texas A&M and Ole Miss. So that'll be that'll be a second screen game for me. We'll have that one on uh, in the corner. But yeah, uh, I'll take Ole Miss as well. Um, D, I will say that in these in these games where you and where me and Ian have been on one side and you've been on the other, uh, you fared pretty well, which is why you're leading in the standings. Why do you so, need yes. to say that? I, like I understand <laughs> that, like, uh, but like, come on now. I'm trying to change the juju, Ian. We've yeah. been trying to change. Sorry, D, but we 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 need a few here uh, if we're gonna if we plan on catching you. Um, That's fine. Oklahoma, Oklahoma goes to Waco, Texas, to play the Baylor Bears, who just came off the loss against TCU, like you mentioned earlier. Um, Baylor is five and a half point 
home dogs. Uh, the game is at noon on Fox. I think that means Gus Johnson will be on the call. The big noon kickoff. Um, all right, who are you guys liking this one? Dan, you want to go first? Yeah, sure. I, it, I'm for sure going to be rooting for Baylor. Um, yeah. And I also will definitely probably be on the over in this game. I think this is a little bit of a shootout because um, I don't trust Oklahoma's defense. We haven't seen Oklahoma play since they started at number eight in the rankings. Um, and I think they come out with a vengeance, so I'm going to be on Oklahoma here. Definitely room for Baylor, but I'm going to be on Oklahoma. D? Just think about this more is that Oklahoma has had a tendency to just get themselves into a shit ton of close games or playing from behind this year. Yeah, it's kind of true over the last few years. I think this game follows that very similarly, and Oklahoma pulls ahead at the end to win. But we're going five and a half here on the line. Yeah, yeah. five and a half. Yeah, I, I think Oklahoma wins, but by a field goal or so, or less, or maybe slightly more. But I think it's within, you know, it's, <laughs> you it's the four. Big, you keep it within the number. It's the Big 12. There's going to be some weird scoring here, like safeties and all, what have you, weird field goal combinations, missed extra points. Um, I think Oklahoma wins with Baylor covers. Yep. D, I'm going to agree with you here. I have to say that Caleb Williams is, I think he's, he's really, really good. He's really good. I like him a lot. But uh, I think Baylor, being at home, Need knowing they need to bounce back off this TCU loss last week, uh, I think they got. I think they might be able to live just to win outright. But I agree with Dave. At the very least, I can see this game. Caleb Williams doing everything he could he can to, to make sure Oklahoma wins by a lot, and the defense make, doing everything they can to make sure Oklahoma doesn't win by a lot um, to give give a lot of points back to Baylor. Um, plus, this Baylor defense is a lot better than, than a lot of what Oklahoma's seen this this year. Right, like it's way better than Texas. It's should be way better than Kansas. Like, there's a lot of – I think Oklahoma really hasn't seen the meat of their schedule yet. So this would be a really good test on the road. Again, I still think Oklahoma wins and, and still remains in the driver's seat in the Big 12. But uh, I think Baylor makes, makes a pretty tight game at home. Uh, it should be a fun one to watch. Um, I wonder what, that, what the total is there. Do you guys want to pick the total in that game? Yeah, I think it was 63 or something like that. 62 and a half, 62. 62. I'm seeing 62. Um, yeah, 62. I'm going to go over. All right. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go over. I'm gonna go under. Um, I think Baylor's defense Coward. Pull, Coward. pulls out of Coward. I think. I think. I think you're a simpleton for going over. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I will, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go uh, under. I think. I think. I think a lot of people think there's gonna be a lot of points, and then I think that might not necessarily hold hold true. Um, I think I think Baylor's defense gets a few stops here, um, and I don't know how powerful their offense here uh, is here. So we'll see. I can see 30-27 being, being the final here. Um, the last game we're going to pick uh, is NC State goes to Wake Forest. Uh, I want to see if the line is – the line was two and a half. Uh, I want to see if that's still the case. Yeah, so number 16 goes to Wake Forest by number 12. Wake Forest uh, – Wake is favored by one and a half now at home uh who do you guys like this is on 7 30 on the on the acc network what a brutal time slot for them yeah um, nobody's gonna watch that one yeah for two top 25 teams um i don't know like one and a half at home i feel like they gotta cover that right 
Like I know this team isn't great, and I know NC State's you know, very solid. Like I, th- I feel like there's just enough magic in uh, Winston Salem this year. I don't like this pick. I feel like NC State's a smart pick, but I can like there's just so many dudes on that Wake Forest offense, and they realize like if they keep the gas pedal down, they can just score like almost every time against a non like elite defense, which I don't think NC State quite has. So I'll take the Demon Deacons. Yeah, they're solid. Um, they're solid overall. They just have more to play for than NC State right now. Um, I think this is probably a big one for the ACC. But I mentioned it earlier. Like they had that game against North Carolina, and they kind of stalled. Um, they they played very well, and we'd be feeling a little, this line would be a little different if they didn't just stall in the last half of the of the fourth quarter. So I I I'm with you, D. Uh, I think their offense is too good, and Sam Hartman is. is too experienced to let this team kind of fall apart. So I'm going to take away Forrest. Go Deeks. Um, yeah, I think I'm with you guys here. Um, I, it's probably, this is probably Vegas begging you, begging you to take away Forrest, but I also think that is the right side. Um, I think Sam Hartman gets, gets his team back on track. Um, they're a very well-coached football team, obviously, uh, and they get to play back at home, which I think just leads to them being better offensively. Um, I think, like you said, NC State, I think NC State's just a little bit banged up. They got they got a few injuries here. I just the game is in NC State. I, I think I think I think twice about it, but I, I think I think you'd be overthinking it to to think this is like a Rattlin or anything like that. I really like Wake Forest here. Um, I will say that while Wake Forest probably has more to play for because because last week uh, that game was not technically an ACC game. Uh, yeah. If NC State were to win this game, uh, they'd have control of the co- of the of the Atlantic. Um, so I guess they do have something to play for. Like this, this could lead to them getting a berth in the uh, getting a berth in in the championship, um, and being the Atlantic representative. But we'll see. Um, again, the ACC has kind of been a disaster. Um, but this this would this would make both teams uh, this would make both teams have one loss in conference. So if NC State were to win, but I'm still going to take Wake Forest. Um, all right, who's got locks? I got locks. I'm go gonna ahead. go. I'm going to go back to the ACC, and I'm, I'm a crazy man. Uh, Slav, this is an honor of you. Um, you were actually at um, the Boston College game this, I this past weekend. I made and sure I made sure D's under hit, um, and by I oh, made yeah. sure, I mean that I mean that Braxton Burmeister going out in the third play of the game made sure. You were very <laughs> helpful to everyone involved, um, but you also saw the return of Phil Djokovic. Yep. Phil the Thrill is um, back. And this team, this offense, and this team is just entirely different when he's back. And they are two-point dogs this week. Are they? Uh, they are They are two-point dogs. And On the road or at home? They are on the road, which is why they're dogs. And they kind of just blanked on who they're playing, which is wild for a, a, a lock. But they are playing, they're playing Georgia Tech. Come on now. They have two point oh. dogs against Georgia Tech. Give me, give me Bill and the Eagles on the road, and probably give me money line. That's um, a good one. Yeah, I actually really like that one. I will say that that Bill the Thrill. Uh, so you said Georgia Tech was two and a half point favorites, is what you said. They're two point favorites. I see them as two, two. point favorites. Okay, great. Um, so Phil the Thrill was back last week in in Boston College. It, it, I will say they had a really good atmosphere. Uh, it was a lot of fun. It was the Red Bandana game at home. Uh, and they sold beer in the stadium, so it, it made Boston College. It made a really good atmosphere. Um, that result last week, well, I, well, I still think Boston College is going to win this game. 
uh, mostly because their running game and their offensive line is really good. Uh, I will say that Phil still is still doing Phil things. Uh, if you watch, <laughs> if you watch his first few passes here, one of them was had no business being complete. The defensive back made a great play and knocked the pass down. He just happened to knock it down into the tight end's hands on third and long. Uh, and then the other one was he threw a pick. He threw a pick. The kid, the wide receiver, stripped it from behind, and it was actually Phil who landed on the fumble. Uh, and, and recovered the ball like 25 yards further than when, where he those, threw the interception from. Those both were solid gains, though. No, they were. They did end up turning into solid gains. So, so what's the issue? You know, you, what's you the issue here? You can't fault him for that, and I apologize for bringing it up. But mm-hmm. regardless, game was fun. I, I will be with you on Boston College this weekend. It's a really, really good pick. Oh, um, uh, also, really funny stat this week before we move on to these picks. Sorry, that we want to get out of here. Uh, Phil Jerk. Uh, so I'm sorry. Uh, Avery Davis was the quarterback bought in between Ian Book and Phil Jerkovic. Huh. <laughs> Deke, go ahead. Sorry. Didn't mean to jump you there. All right. Um, so there's one team in the country that I've just been wanting to back for a while. They're undefeated. UTSA. The Texas me, me. San Antonio Roadrunners. Me, me. Finally, oh, yeah. first, first in Conference USA. This week they're playing what could be the worst team on their schedule, and that's Southern Miss. Uh, Southern Miss team that is also 1-8 against the spread. Wow, the Roadrunners are 8-1. I'm going with those trends when everything's telling me I shouldn't. The line is 33 for UTSA. Mother. And th- they've beaten the two worst teams on their schedule before Southern Miss by more than that. I believe it was Rice and Louisiana Monroe. They beat them by more than that. I think Southern Miss is worse than them. Roadrunners, big. UTSA honestly, by t- it's 33. Yeah. This is and one of the I weeks came... I've I'm seeing Sorry. I'm seeing 34 here, D. I don't know I'm, where are you see that. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> is that game in UTSA or is that game elsewhere? Let me see. It, it is doesn't, at UTSA. doesn't matter. Don't matter. Okay, great. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter, help? but it matters. The, the dome event. will be rocking. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it will be. Um, at UTSA is a good one there too. The, the the trends there about the one and eight and eight and one are uh, are pretty damn convincing. I will say that. Ian, I'm also did some digging. I'm, I'm getting you the retro BC logo. Um, they have it on, on their stuff now. Please do. It's it, it's pretty logo. hot. I like yeah. it a lot. Is that the one with the eagle? Yeah, it's mm-hmm. BC and block letters that are like interlocked with the eagle on it. Um, it's it's yeah. much better than the new one. Um, all right, and then D, you got you're on UTSA. My pick this week. Uh, I'm getting. I know they they've struggled as of late, but I think LSU stinks. Uh, so we're gonna go Arkansas on the road in Baton Rouge. Uh, LSU is favored by. Is, I'm sorry, LSU two is two and a half point dogs, but I'll take Arkansas to cover that field goal. Um, I think they're going to tear up this uh, this LSU secondary in a big way. Um, I don't think I don't really don't think they'll be able to hang hang with them. And I also think that uh, I'd like to see Sam Pittman. This might be a get right game for Sam Pittman uh, for Sam Pittman and Co. Um, I still think that they're a decent team. They just they had a tough spot in their schedule, um, and this is this would be a good good week for them to get right. So I'll be on uh, I'll be on the Razorbacks this week. That seems like a big brain pick. Like the the trend pick so. will definitely trend pick will definitely be the Tigers after only losing to Bama by six. But yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, I like that stuff. Yeah. Um, all right. Real quick before we get out of here, uh, where's everybody watching the game this week? 
I don't know. New York, somewhere, probably my couch. Yeah. Me and uh, me and some of the Chicago, New York boys have a turkey bowl, um, like flag football tournament Saturday during the day. Uh, yeah, so after we, after we bring home that ship, seven on seven, we'll probably head over to uh, a local establishment, Renali's, and bleed down. Oh, Renali's is great. We love we love we love Renali's. Yeah. Um, all right. Yeah. Should be good. How about you, Fuck? What are you yeah. watching? As of right now, my roommates are banning me for the weekend. Um, so it'll be me and me and Maddie, me and Maddie uh, hold down the fort. I'm thinking about making well chicken parm. Good, good luck chicken parm for dinner. Had a time. And, and eat we, that, we love the good luck chicken yeah. parm. We love good luck chicken parm. And D and D, you know this. I am. Uh, I, I plan on coming down the final weekend for for Georgia Tech. I'll be down in New York and. I might want to yes. save save some energy save some energy for whatever for whatever uh, we do that that Saturday because it could be a big one. So yeah. I don't make they, make sure you make it to the uh, the turnover room at least twice. Yes, I, I, <laughs> I plan on drinking enough to make my way to the turnover room by seven thirty p.m. <laughs> so, or the kickoff of touchdown or fumble strip sack. What about uh, the big play not, room? Whatever you want to call not, it. The big, like, the Toledo big wasn't even good for Notre Dame. Like Toledo, like Jack Cohen's like blind pick six happened when I was in the bathroom. Like it's just a big play happens when I'm gone for thirty seconds. All right. Hopefully it's our right. way. D, good luck. Good luck tomorrow. Um, hope yeah, you, hope you do well and get some sleep. <laughs> get a little bit of sleep. Um, sorry, we took a lot of your time, but uh, uh, no good worries. Luck, good luck tomorrow and uh, go Irish, fellas. Go Irish, <laughs> See you boys.